The Brood 10 podcasts made possible by support from Mount St. Joseph University School of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, cultivating an understanding and appreciation of the creative and critical nature of scientific thought. Climb higher at the Mount. Learn more at msj.edu. Welcome back to the Roots and Cicada podcast from Cincinnati Public Radio. I'm WVXU reporter Corey Sharber. As we're now rounding the curve of peak cicada emergence, you may notice the window of time that humans encounter the Roots and Cicadas in their 17-year journey is rather short. So what are they doing the rest of their time underground, or in the evening when they quiet down? Once again, I'm joined by Dean of Behavioral and Natural Sciences, as well as a professor in the Department of Biology at Mount St. Joseph University here in Cincinnati, and PhD of Entomology, Dr. Gene Kritsky. Today, we're discussing what exactly it is those creatures are up to when we're not looking. Gene, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. There's cicadas everywhere. Everywhere. They're in my car. They're in my alleyway. They're in the garbage. They're just... Tearing up the place, aren't they? You just gotta love it. Well, well, it definitely is a definitely is more work for you, which definitely definitely is a good thing to have during the during the summer months. But I have sixteen years to recover. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so you get to party party for six weeks and then just take next two <laughs> decade and a half. Long. <laughs> so, like, so we just mentioned, like, every seventeen years we have a major emergence like this, um, and most. You know, the lives of these cicadas are not seen except for these six-week emergencies. Like, what are cicadas doing underground um, for that entire period of time? Well, they're doing what cicadas like to do best. They are tunneling, and they are trying to find a tree root that they can puncture and just suck on. It's a, it, it sounds terrible to us, but we can't put ourselves in the place of a cicada. You're right. But it's a, I'm not it, sucking on tree roots like, <laughs> like they are. But they're down below the frost line in many, the, for the first few years, which means it's, it's a, a constant temperature, about 56 degrees. It's not hot, not cold, but they're able to move around. One thing is that they're not doing is they're not hibernating. They're not sleeping. They're not in a quiescent stage. Uh, four times during that 17-year period, they're going to shed their skins and uh, molt to the next stage. And they travel from tree to tree while they're underground, right? Well, they can, but we, but they don't seem to move more. We don't think they move more than about a yard. So huh. they're going to be traveling from maybe one tree root to another tree root. Uh, we do suspect that they have a high mortality at uh, during those stages, and that if they hit the wrong direct, head the wrong direction, they might not find a tree root. In mm. which case, they'll they'll they will not make it. Right. If you look at the estimate, the number of eggs that are laid in the trees and the number of eggs that hatched, and you do that by just looking, by cutting the branches down and dissecting the egg masses and see what the hatch rate is. And you then estimate tens of thousands of cicadas would be under one single tree. And it would possibly be only about 7,000 that would emerge. That means there's a high mortality down there. Now, with that high mortality rate, that does that does lead to them, you know, basically aiding in the fertilization of the soil. And they're aerating the soil if they're moving all around. Um, but they are sucking sap from the tree roots. Um, how do they benefit the health of a tree? Uh, do they, because they're sucking sap away, but yet they're aerating the soil and fertilizing it. Well, they're the, what they're, they're, they're xylem feeders. And this will take everybody back to their biology class. Uh, plants have uh, two types of vascular tissue. One's called xylem, one's phloem. And uh, the xylem is the water conducting 
vascular tissue that takes water and minerals from the soil up to the trees, up to the leaves at the top of the trees, for example, whereas the phloem takes the sugars made by the leaves through photosynthesis and spreads it down through the rest of the plant. So they're feeding on, a, on, the, on the water column, which uh, is not taking away that many nutrients from the tree. It's fact, the only nutrients in there are going to be what the, uh, uh, the, are going to be whatever can leak into that fluid from the surrounding cells. So it's a, it's not like it's a, a, it's a detriment to the tree. And I think anybody around, uh, uh, Cincinnati or Baltimore or Washington or, um, Philadelphia, but they wandered around looking at the trees, they wouldn't see what would be perceived as this tree is being fed up by too many cicadas underground. Right. And indeed through the 17 years, uh, people have commented their trees looked great. And also all these, all these insects are coming up and it's not just one or two, it's, it's thousands. And they're kind of surprised that that was going on the whole time. You know, you did just bring up a bunch of um, biological definitions that I forgot from my high school years, which probably shows why I was a B student in biology. <laughs> but past that, um, of course, you have billions of cicadas underground, like moving all around, trying to feed off the tree roots. Um, are they are they being social with the other other cicadas while they're underground? We or don't. Are they just keep it to themselves and just trying to take all <laughs> the food they can get. We don't have any evidence that they're being social with each other. Uh, there was some, I've mentioned him in the past, but Dr. Monty Lloyd from the, was uh, from the University of Chicago had the thought that maybe if there are too many under the tree, that, that, that crowding could impact their, their development time. Uh, we don't think that anymore. It looks like it's really more related to, uh, uh their counting of the years and, and, and so on. But, uh, he, I was involved with him on an experiment. It was amazing. He went up to, he went up to Cleveland and, uh, I believe it was 19, uh, 82 and he collected egg masses. And then when we it went out to Western Iowa where the cicadas don't occur, periodical cicadas don't occur yeah. naturally. And he was holding in his hands softball size handfuls of cicada nymphs. And he intentionally crowded them in plots around trees. And so they were, just see what would that do over 17 years. And uh, uh, it, we went back, I was involved with him going back in 1999 along, uh, along with uh, uh, students. And uh, we found that uh, th th there was no evidence they came out early, which we thought. Uh, we couldn't perceive what the impact was on their life cycle per se, but it looked like crowding wasn't as critical as we thought. One of the weird things I've seen, well, of course, is the first emergence I've, I've ever seen, but I've been seeing like all over social media and whatnot. There, there's some cicadas have been coming out from under, underground deformed. Like why are, why are so many coming out deformed uh, during this emergency? Is this a thing that is only happening now or is mm -hmm. this a thing that happens every time these pop well, up? The deformed cicadas, and I've been getting a lot of emails about that as well. And uh, I've seen trees. You, you go out to the tree and you're looking around at the base of the tree, there's all these look like little dwarf-like sized uh, cicadas and the wings are all shriveled and it's clear they can't fly per se. And uh, that they're, they're coming out of the ground, of course, as, as nymphs and they crawl, those cicadas also crawled up the, the nymphs crawled up the trees and they, they, the skin split open and the adult cicada came out. It's just that as that was happening, either they were interfered with by another nymph or as they pulled out, they just fell to the ground. And when they, and that damaged the wings, they weren't able to get to the right orientation to allow the wings to expand and they, they, they couldn't expand the wings to their full size. And then they started hardening and the wings were sort of fixed in this, uh, deformed manner. And it's, uh, the numbers are exacerbated because you look at, it's all you see are these deformed cicadas. And that's because those cicadas that weren't deformed 
crawl to the tops of the trees. They're mm. up there maturing for the next five days. And you see at the base, all the, I, I remember a tree out at the, the Kirby Nature Center from the Western Wildlife Quarter. They've got this wonderful tree in the, on the property. And there must've been several hundred per square uh, meter of, of deformed cicadas. I know in a previous episode, we talked about, you know, just how competitive the mating process is. Like all these cicadas are climbing to the top of trees and just screaming, just like begging for attention. Whereas what, what about a deformed cicada? They're basically stuck on the ground. Do they have any role in the mating process? Well, it's, it's certainly going to be a reduced mating process. If yeah. it's a fem- if it's a female that's deformed, she won't necessarily, she may not be able to flick her wings in a way that will alert the male. However, just today, uh, was uh, looking on social media and uh, looking at some of the things, some of the videos that's been submitted. And there was a video of two deformed, wing deformed cicadas. The male was calling and the female was trying to flick her wings, but he was already in mating hall three, ready to start copulation. Mm. And so they can. Uh, the next question is, can, she'll have to walk her way up to a branch somewhere to lay the eggs, but yes, they can mate. I've, of course, like right outside my apartment, I have tons of trees and cicadas are just going crazy like day in and day out. However, it's been, we've had some cold weather and then not that long ago it was raining. So it was interesting just to hear all these cicadas ringing and whatnot. And then it just stopped in the middle of a, of a, of a big storm we had. Um, what, what do the cicadas do during cold or wet weather? Do they just, they just go to sleep? Do they, I don't know, go to like McDonald's and just chill out there? Like, what do they do? <laughs> well, it's really interesting. I, I fortunately, I had an opportunity to observe this firsthand last week when we had uh, one of the cooler days. And then we had that uh, afternoon, we got sunny, and then the clouds got dark, and it got started raining, and it was amazing. I was out set up with all my camera gear and all the recording stuff that we, we monitored this with, and it was fascinating. Uh, before the, before the bad weather came in, it was bright enough and sunny that the cicadas were at the top of the trees. You could see them all sort of perched on the branches, on the leaves, singing, flying around there, flying in, flying out, what have you. And then as it got darker, of course, the intensity of the calls got a little less. They stopped singing. And then as it started sprinkling, the calling stopped. And so what happened to the cicadas? They had all walked from the top of the leaf to the underside of the leaf. And they were sitting there using the leaf like a natural umbrella, mm. just to hang it out. And there was, uh, his, there was one under each leaf, this one uh, branch that was at the top of the top of the tree. It was fascinating. It's almost like they're using the leaf as just a, a big picnic canopy for all of them. It is. It's, and one of the neat things about cicadas is that it was recently discovered that the ultrastructure of their wings sheds water mm. and they don't get waterlogged. So the, they get rained on, the water sheds right off their, their, their wings are, they can fly as in it today. I know it's right after the rain ended this morning within just as soon as the rain stopped and hadn't gotten, the sun hadn't come out yet, but there were two or three or four cicadas flying around almost immediately. So the water shed off the, off the wings. And this is one of the uh, practical things. There are uh, groups of uh, uh, people looking at the ultra structure, the fine, fine structure of the cicada wings, because if we could make uh, rain gear. In a, a fabric, in, a, in a way that mimics what the cicada wings are like, we can make extremely light but very, very effective rain gear. And while cicadas certainly quiet down when it rains, they also quiet down at night too. What are they doing at, at night when we're all sleeping? That's, they're not, they don't have, as I said before, they don't have eyelids so they can't close their eyes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, last night uh, I went out uh, with my wife, Jessie, and we uh, uh, took uh, uh, flashlights with us and we were looking for cicadas. And sure enough, they were under the leaves 
Uh, not uh, again. There sometimes they might find a very large branch. They're all lined up on the bottom side of that branch, but they were under leaves protected, or under this under under a branch so that they could that if they were they were protected from anything that might fall on them, uh, and just sitting there, just relaxing, chilling out until the next morning. Of course, a lot of attention has been paid to the the brew tent emergence this year, especially since it's coming in the. <laughs> The age of social media. I mean, you've definitely been seeing a lot of stuff popping up on the um, Cicada Safari app that people have been submitting to. Um, of course, like people have been noticing like all the deformed cicadas and whatnot. What's the next thing people are going to start to notice as the emergence is entering its final weeks? Well, right now we're seeing cicadas screaming at up to 90 decibels. That's going to continue for another probably week and a half or mm. so in some areas. It'll start declining in the areas I had that first, but it'll be continuing over the next two and a half weeks. You'll see, we'll, see, we'll hear that singing. Uh, as the, if your areas, if you're in an area where the singing starts to decline, you're going to start seeing the cicada carcasses collecting at the base of trees. They tend to fall and collect. Uh, the next thing they may notice will be a, a smell. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing quite like the smell of a decaying mass of cicada carcasses. Uh, you can tell it's decay. Uh, you can't quite put your finger on it. You don't want to put, want to put your fingers in yeah, it either. But, <laughs> but uh, it, it'll, it'll, it, it's going to be noticeable. And that's uh, uh, natural. We've had enough rain. We have days where there'll be con- uh, condensation from dew and things like that. But uh, uh, in a hot ju- June day, they'll start to rot. And that, that'll be the next thing that uh, usually happens. They're, they're happy that the, the calling is down, but now there's a smell. And there were, I know in 2004, there were people that were hiring people to try to, you know, suck these things up in these large vacuum type things or whatever. But again, that, you just wait a few, uh, a week or so or the, the smell, you'll get used to the smell and eventually it dissipates as all the nutrients go into the soil. Yeah. Well, man, I, I'm not looking forward to the smell, but I am looking forward to talking to you again next week. It seems like every time we, we have one of these conversations, I just come out with something something new. I hope all of the listeners are too. So Gene, once again, thank you very much for taking time with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Now's the time we answer listeners' submitted questions, which you can submit to us both at our email and on the Talk to Us feature at the WVXU app. This question comes to us from Eric Hoffman from Deerfield Township. He says, During my lunchtime walks at work, I go by a parking lot that was recently put in a couple years ago. Prior to that, the space was four or five recently abandoned houses with lawns and trees that I assume drew brood 10 into the ground 17 years ago. What do they do when, while making their trek to the surface... They run into the parking lot. Do they keep going forward until they expire? Will they attempt a detour to get to the surface? Thanks for your question, Eric. Basically, like, let's say you're nice, like a little two-story house, got leveled, but there's a nice tree in the front yard. All the cicadas lay their eggs there. Where do they go if it's all paved over? Do they have any escape route at that point? Well, it depends on how many years are involved before the next emergence. If the tree is removed and uh, there's no food source for them, the, the nymphs will die, and that's unfortunate. Let's say it was something that was done uh, recently, uh, but again, it also depends on how deep they had to go to lay the foundation for the parking lot. Uh, but let's look at it from a different way. Let's say about uh, uh, somebody putting in a sidewalk where they didn't rip the tree down. And so you've got, you know, they, they've dug that sort of the, 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 the trench or the cement, the rebars and there, what have you. And, uh, but, so it's only down about maybe four inches or so. Uh, in that case, the cicadas come up and they hit, they hit, they hit rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and what usually, and what, what you see is really just amazing. When they hit the, the surface, they go 
any direction, but they'll tunnel right along that, that rock or the cement, in this case, the cement, and then come up at the edge. And I've seen edges of sidewalks where there's just even holes after holes after holes, just concentrate right along the edges of the sidewalk where they came up and hit, hit, hit a solid block and went off to the side. So even with land development, there is still a chance of survival for them. Provided they have a food source until they're able to emerge. If the trees are cut down in the third, fourth, or fifth year of, uh, of uh, their life cycle, they'll probably all die. But uh, if there's a, a barrier placed in there or they uh, put in, let's say, a little turnaround, uh, but they didn't have to tear down into the trees necessarily, then the cicadas, uh, well, they, they, I, don't, I can't say that they saw the movie Jurassic Park, but they certainly have that adage, life finds a way. Yeah. I don't believe they had uh, VHS players underground 17 years ago, but you know, maybe, maybe they did. But, uh, if you replace paradise and put up a parking lot, just remember to put up a tree to increase the survival of cicadas. Um, thanks for your question, Eric. And thanks for Gene to answering that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Brew 10 Cicada podcast. Our thanks as always to our guest expert, Gene Kritzky. You can learn more and assist Gene's cicada mapping efforts in these final weeks of emergence by visiting cicadasafari.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, where you can listen to all our previous episodes anytime. We also have a big announcement. Did you submit a question to our BrewDex at wvxu.org email that didn't make it into the show? Well, we'll be back for a Facebook live stream in which Gene will answer as many remaining questions as we can in one final lightning round. That's Friday, July 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the WVXU Facebook page. Can't make it live? Don't worry, you'll be able to find the stream as a bonus episode in the podcast feed the following week. This podcast is produced by Josh Elstro, with additional support and web assistance from Kevin Reynolds and Jim Nolan. For Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm Corey Sharber, and you've been listening to the Brew 10 Cicada Podcast. We'll talk again next week. 